Hey y'all, this is Daniel Kyrie. I play Darren Ritter on Chicago Fire, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, welcome to episode 144 of Meet Us at Molly's. Um, it's a special episode tonight. We we need to talk. We need to talk. Uh, as always, I'm Gina. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. So ordinarily, we start off all chipper and happy and we're just like, yay, here's the news. We miss the shows. But truth be told, the last time we produced an episode was what, May 29th, you said? Yeah, May 29th was when it dropped. And the world since that date, not even since that date, but the world is a very different place from the last time we dropped an episode. And it's, it's not that it's on us to address this, but we would be remiss if we did not discuss what was happening right now and the impact it has upon the One Chicago franchise and the, would you call it a responsibility they now have to reflect what's happening right now in the world would you call it a responsibility yeah i think so i think it's a responsibility to not only reflect but to make change too which we'll get to that point too but i think like before we go any further i think we have to also point out our biases and where we're coming from that you know we recognize that we're both white women having this conversation and unfortunately we don't have another person of color, a black person on here to discuss. We tried, you know, circumstances are, it just can't happen that way. Um, But we do recognize that. And so like our conversation is coming from those point of views. Yeah. It's coming from those points of view. And it's also, this is going to be a really honest and open discussion where I mean, Everything that has happened in the past few weeks have opened my eyes. I've learned a lot that I did not know before, that I'm disappointed I did not know before, Um, both in myself and, you know, the educators who provided me with my education growing up. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like my eyes have been opened almost 30-something years too late. Yeah, I mean... I definitely think, I mean, there's been a lot I didn't know and that I've learned in the last two, three weeks, however long it's been. Um, I think my eyes started opening a little bit more once I left my bubble of like my hometown and then it started opening up a little bit, but it continues to open up every day. And I think, you know, it's still going to keep going that way. Like there's still a lot I have to learn. Um, And so I think, you know, it's just going to keep going. Or I hope, you know, I'm going to put in the work so that I keep learning every day. Yeah, and you had boiled it down to a couple of really simple steps because we had been talking about, you know, somebody who was in hot water for saying something insensitive. And you had just kind of boiled it down and you were like, you know, shut up, educate yourself and do the work. And that was the perfect way to 
summarize it because that's exactly that's exactly what we all should be doing now. And I have a lot of emotions about the situation, one of which being that I'm almost I'm frustrated and I'm embarrassed that it took George Floyd screaming for his mother on a sidewalk on video for me and other people as well to open their eyes that this is still a problem. Systemic racism is very, very real. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if embarrassed is necessarily the right word, but like it's that it took George Floyd and after everything that has happened, especially in the last like five or six years, like after all the killings that have happened and everything that's just happened in the world, it took George Floyd being killed for it to become more, not just a trend, not just like a one or two day thing. Right. Cause it seemed like with everyone else in the past, it was like, Oh, you'd have all this, you know, protesting and stuff. And it'd be like, you know, one, two days, maybe if it was a big enough one, like three, four, five days. But like now it actually seems like this is going to continue to be a conversation for, I mean, ever, hopefully, you know, something that's going to actively keep being worked on. Whereas in the past, like, I feel embarrassed that I didn't keep talking about it. Like I would talk about it for a day or two. And then not that I would forget about those people, but like I would just not actively do the work that needed to be happening after that. Right. Yeah. And so when, I mean, when I say that I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed that I didn't think until now. So on TV a couple of weeks ago, somebody had said that this is a watershed moment for our country and it absolutely is. And the fact that it's 2020 and the fact that I actually thought to myself, like, I don't know the fact that I didn't realize that for a watershed moment to happen in 2020 is not normal, but I didn't think it was that big of a deal at first. And so for me to not realize that, yeah, this is really important. This is a watershed moment for our country. For me not to realize that is something that I'm just like, well, you know, where, where were my teachers growing up? Where, what was I doing when I was learning about American history? What, what was I doing when I was like, you know, growing up and everything that I, I didn't realize this. I, I feel like I had a, I had turned a blind eye and I think that's the embarrassed part. And this is in no way me like making it about me. Cause what we're about to do here is we're about to share a ton of information and a ton of resources, but that's just the way I've been feeling. Yeah, I definitely feel like that, too. And I don't know, I think part of it stems from, like, upbringing and, like, where I grew up, too. You know, like, I grew up in the South in a mainly all-white private school. Um, And, like, I can, I was having this conversation with someone on Instagram stories, because, like, um, they had mentioned it on their Instagram stories, and I was kind of been thinking the same thing about, like, how in fourth grade, like, we had a whole thing where we would learn about, like, Virginia history, which is, like, very fucked up in itself because of all the slavery and just all the bad things that the Virginia presidents or presidents that came from Virginia did and, like, the Confederacy stuff and, like, 
that's stuff that ties into my hometown's history because my hometown was the last capital of the Confederacy. Just like that's the kind of stuff I learned about growing up, not this stuff at all. And it wasn't until I came to college and started doing my own research. And like I can still remember the first time I learned about the Central Park Five was because I happened to upon the DVD of the documentary about them in a gift store in a museum here. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I don't know anything about that. And then I watched it and I was like, holy fuck. And my mind was like, I didn't know any. And that was my sophomore year of college, like fall semester, right before Ferguson happened. But like, I can remember like, like watching that documentary on my own for the first time. And I was like, I don't like what my world was like turned upside down. I was like, I don't know anything anymore. Like what, like what has happened? I don't know anything in my life. Yeah, and as I learn more about systemic racism, the more I want to ask somebody, anybody, and just say, why didn't we learn the real American history in school? Yeah, I don't know. And I think, like, I can also remember, too, when Trayvon Martin was shot in my history class, like, the day or two after, you know, like sometime around, like right after that happened, um, my history teacher came in and instead of doing class that day, we actually had like a conversation about it. And like, I didn't really know, like, I didn't really understand that much either. Cause I mean, I was a junior in high school. Yeah. I was a junior in high school when that happened. Um, so I didn't really understand like a ton of it, but like, I can remember that being like, or looking back on it now, being like, why didn't we have more of those conversations in our classes? Like, that was the one time I've ever had a conversation about that in a class. And, like, in high school. At least in college, it was very different. But in high school. Right. Yeah, I feel like, like the version of American history that we we learned in school was, you know, the Founding Fathers made the country for everyone. Everyone should be equal, no matter what. And then, you know, you get into slavery, and we talked about it, and then it was like, but then the 13th Amendment fixed that. Everything's fine now. Not... Right, or it's not even like that the 13th Amendment fixed it. It's like the 13th Amendment was supposed to fix it, and then it didn't fix it, and then the 1960s happened, and that really fixed it, and now we're all okay now. Yeah, that's really the version you get. <laughs> that's the version you get. And uh, my entire life, I've always just been like, oh, OK, OK. Yeah, Slavery happened. That's... That was bad. But we made a mistake. That's it. And only like, now... why else would you have a reason to doubt? I mean, like, why would you think that your teachers and not that they're lying? Like, obviously, that is true. Like the 13th Amendment was supposed to fix it. It didn't fix it. The 1960s happened and like it didn't get better. But like certain aspects of life, you know. It fixed some things. So, like, it's not a complete lie, but, like, you're ignoring the other half of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. The history we've been taught has always just been glossed over. Right. And, like, I don't know if it was this way for you, too, but it's, like, you learn about Martin Luther King Jr., but never about Malcolm X. Like, I don't think I really learned about Malcolm X until I was in college. Yeah. Like, ever. Yeah. I don't think – maybe in that same history class I had my junior year, because I just had a great teacher – I think he may, we may have learned a little bit about Malcolm X, but it really wasn't until I was in college that I learned about Malcolm X. It's always Martin Luther King Jr., but, like, never the other side of it. Right. Right. And, like, why? Yeah, and so, and it's only been in these past couple weeks that I've realized, wait a second, the things that we were taught, it's not the whole story. There's a whole other side. And so the fact that I'm just now realizing that, learning that in my early to mid-30s, I'm just like, oh, my God, like, 
I should have known better, you know? How could I be so naive to not think that there was another another side to that story? And so that is where the whole idea of we have a lot of work to do comes in. We have yeah. a lot of work to do. I'm not going to speak for Bryna, but I, I feel pretty safe saying that we both have a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I mean, I tried to do my best in college. Like, I took a lot of different kinds of classes to learn about these experiences. Because, like, once I had that moment, especially my sophomore year, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know anything. So I took that, and I really tried to, like, I was an American Studies minor in college, and so it allowed me the opportunity to take a bunch of different classes and try to learn from it. I mean, obviously from an academic perspective, but, like, learn about a bunch of different experiences. So I took a class on, like, black pop culture, and I took a class on the black LGBTQ experience. Like, I took a bunch of different classes like that, just because otherwise I wasn't going to learn it. Um, but even j having done all of that, there's still a lot more work I can do. Like, Absolutely. I've done work, yes, and, like, I, you know, studied those things, and I've read a lot of things, and I learned a bunch of stuff, too, that I did, would not have otherwise known. But I still have a lot more work to do. Yeah. A lot more work to do. And so, yeah, um, let's talk about the ways to get involved and the things to donate to before we get into the show specific kind of stuff. So there are a lot of ways to get involved, actually. There are petitions you can sign. There are emails you can send. There are organizations you can donate to. And the ones that we're going to mention here are, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other causes out there to donate to, to, you know, petitions to sign, things like that. Um, and we've been trying to post as much as we possibly can on our social media. Um, so, you know, definitely keep an eye out. We're always retweeting as much as we can find. And so uh, if you are, you can start small if, um, if you are not able to donate money, you can sign um, various petitions that, that are out there. There is the Justice for George, George Floyd petition on change.org. Um, it was calling for the arrests of the four officers responsible for his death. Obviously, we know now that they have all been arrested, one of whom has been charged with second degree murder. Um, but that petition's out there. There is Eight Can't Wait. Um, you might have seen some of the cast members of Chicago PD posting about it, that there are eight key provisions, maybe. I don't know if I would call them laws that um, every police department should adopt to ensure the safety of their citizens. And the cool thing about eight can't wait is that you could plug in your city and it would it, it'll show up and it'll tell you where your city is lacking. So for my hometown, I pulled up Dallas and it said Dallas is good on five out of the eight. They need these three. Um, and so you can, you know, you can send emails. There's things like that. There are petitions for Breonna Taylor, for Ahmaud Arbery. Um, there are various petitions all over the Internet that you can find. And so we've been sharing those again as much as possible. Um, but, yeah, you can sign petitions. And, you know, we've seen that those have made a difference. Uh, especially with justice for George Floyd, it did, you know, the, the four officers were apprehended. So uh, in terms of donating money, you can do that as well. There is the Minnesota Freedom Fund, and that basically pays bail for incarcerated persons who cannot afford it otherwise. Uh, a lot of it is, a, a, a good percentage of it 
was talking about the protesters in the past couple of weeks. Granted, this also goes towards, you know, it goes towards anybody who's incarcerated and can't afford their bail because, uh, you know, the, the prison population is it, it's it's flawed, to say the least. So that's one. There is Reclaim the Block. That is also a Minnesota foundation to donate to. Bryony, you donated to Reclaim the Block, right? I did donate to Reclaim the Block. Yeah. Yeah. They do a lot of good stuff. Um, Color of Change is a big one. Um, This past weekend, we would have been in Austin for ATX Festival. It was a virtual festival this year because of the pandemic. But they raised money for Color of Change as well. That's an important one. The National Bail Fund Network is a big one. That is one where you can start big and zero in on your local city. And it will tell you the different bail funds that you can donate to. So that's an important one. Um, There's also I Run With Maud. This is a GoFundMe that benefits the family of Ahmaud Arbery and helps with their legal costs and funeral costs and things like that. So this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of ways to get involved. And we will continue to post different ways to sign petitions, donate your time, donate your money, things like that. So, um, and if you're donating somewhere that we did not mention, let us know. Let us signal boost for you. We are happy to do so. So that's a place to start. Uh, in terms of doing the work, in the past couple of weeks, a lot of things have come out where people say, okay, you know, I have a lot of work to do. How do I start? How do I educate myself? And there are books you can read. There are TV shows and movies you can watch. There are podcasts you can listen to. And we share this as two white women who are just starting our work. So, you know, these are these are not things that we're saying, you know, go read this because, you know, we know all about it. We don't. We're saying these are things that we've seen that people have shared that are good places to start. So um, in terms of reading, there is a book entitled White Fragility that I keep seeing that I do intend to download and read. Um, Our listener, Teresa, is also reading a book right now called You So You Want to Talk About Race. Um, There's a lot of books and things to read there. And in terms of what to watch, and again, we're just kind of scraping the surface. So um, there is a documentary on Netflix called 13th. It is produced by Ava DuVernay, and it is about the prison system and how the entire justice system itself is stacked against black people in America. And I've watched it, actually, and it's 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 staggering. It'll stop you in your tracks. Uh, yeah, it just it, it will stop you in your tracks. I There's so much that I did not realize that goes on and that that the system really is built against black people in this country and that's it's not right yeah did you ever read the new jim crow i did not you should read it if you you should it kind of relates to that because it's all about mass incarceration in this like age of color blindness and it we read that i don't i'm trying to remember which class i read that for in college um but i read it i think maybe even for a couple classes but you should read that one too okay okay um, there's also When They See Us, uh, which is about the Central Park Five. Bryna, you've seen that, right? I have it. Yeah, I saw it last year when it came out, but I intend to watch it again maybe this weekend. It's 
Yeah, it's powerful stuff. And there's also, if that case, there's also the documentary that Ken Burns did on the Central Park Five, too. Is that um, on Netflix, which, too? I don't know. It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix anymore. Um, it's a PBS documentary, so I'm sure you could find it at some point. But, okay. um, but yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. And again, this is just, there's so many other things that we will post. Um, but well, yeah. And I also think too, like I was having this conversation at some point over the past weekend when we were in ATX and our like just 12 hour Zoom calls. I don't even know, like all those long things. Janelle and I, we were having this conversation at some point about just watching things too that may not even be about like mass incarceration or, you know, um, like systemically what's wrong in our country, but just even watching things done by black artists, black art actors, black directors, black writers, so that like you can understand their points of view on other things and just see a support their work, but B see their points of view on other things. So like this week I started watching dear white people, um, which obviously has nothing really to do with like mass incarceration or anything like that, or police shootings or police brutality, but touches on it in different ways. And is just about black students at college. I've only watched two episodes, so I'm not really sure exact. I'm not there yet on terms of like, I could really articulate what it's about, but like just even watching those kind of shows too mm-hmm. at this time is also really important. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, one of the other things I've been watching, um, there is a guy on the um, on social media. He, I think, works for ESPN. Emmanuel um, Acho. Emmanuel Acho, yeah. See, Brian and I share a brain. She knew exactly where I was going with that. Um, Emmanuel Acho is doing a great video, sort of video, sort of web series on his Instagram page called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. And oh. it's, it's really good. He... Um, he basically just says it straight. I mean, the very first episode, he took time to answer a lot of the questions that people are having in light of what's going on. And they're saying, you know, why is this happening? What is this stemming from? What can we do? And he's very honest and just, you know, very frank with his answers. And in the most recent episode, Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey joined him. And they, again, had a very honest conversation that at one point, Matthew literally just said, what can I do as a white man to help? And so it, it was a very it's a very open dialogue um, and it, it's great. So if you get the chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Um, Emmanuel is at the man Ocho on what Instagram, right? On Or is that everywhere? I think it's everywhere, but I know I... It's on his Twitter, too. And it's, I mean, if you just find it, it's, like, literally everywhere, so. Yeah, and it's Ocho, A-C-H-O. Uh, yeah, but that's a really good. I I mean, I've always loved Emmanuel. I think he, you know, is, like, I, watching him do his media stuff after his transition from NFL, like, I've always thought he was really good at it. But this is, like, it's very worth the time. And I think each episode's only, like, 10-ish minutes to, I mean there's only been two but each one's been like 10-ish minutes so it's not that much of your time either like it's well worth the watch yeah yeah so and the work continues I mean the next time we do an episode we'll probably have even more resources to relay um yeah but again yeah the the work continues you know just 
you're always learning, always educating yourself. And so, um, you know, with that said, that's a handful of the things that we're doing now, the way this affects one Chicago, we don't really know because we're just in, we're in a really interesting period. Right. So that's not to say that our cast members have been silent. They have not. Uh, there has been involvement across the board from all three shows. So um, Dominic Reigns, Molly Bernard, and Lisseth Chavez, all three of them posted videos from protests in Brooklyn and in Hollywood. So, you know, some of them have been out protesting. Uh, Daniel Kyrie, Yaya, Joe Minoso, Miranda, Alberto, um, and it's weird to call Annie an alum, but I guess she's an alum now. Um, they've all been active on social media, posting various ways to get involved. So that's been really good. Um, Alberto and Joe both provided links to two really great tools where you could just swipe up and it would pre-populate an email to... You know, Alberto posted one that pre-populated to the Minnesota district attorney. And then Joe had one for eight can't wait where you just fill in your information and click send. Um, and I did that with both of the, with both of those. I thought that was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we've got to talk about Miranda's video, don't we? Yeah. So uh, where do we start? So. It's not what we've learned is that it's no longer okay to simply not be racist. We all have to be actively anti-racist going forward. And not it hasn't been a hard lesson to learn. It's been eye-opening. Learning mm -hmm. the difference between the two and realizing, wait, I've been passively not racist all this time. Passive and active are two completely different things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be an active ally. Active ally. Active ally. And so Miranda posted a video last week on her Twitter because some people, you know, a lot of people are posting in support and some people are choosing to stay silent. Hey, whatever. That is your decision. It's fine. Um, Miranda was a little frustrated with her castmates for not posting anything you know, in, in support of Black Lives Matter, in support of being actively anti-racist. Uh, and I think since then, she's kind of she's kind of t taken it back a little bit. She just said, you know, she's like, OK, I realize now it's probably better to just engage in dialogue with them than actually call them out. But emotions are really running high right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's just a tough time in the world, because obviously on top of all of this, We've all been separated from each other for three months now. Like, pandemic is still very strong. COVID has not gone away, despite everybody easing up, you know, restrictions. And that was already hard to deal with for everybody and tough on everyone's mental health. And then everything that's happened since George Floyd's death, it's just everyone... It's just a tough time in the world. Very, very. But there are some things that we can learn from Miranda's social media and some of the interactions that she's had. Um, she made a post early on 
talking about what was happening and Yaya actually commented and it wasn't necessarily ideas, but it was just some things that she was adding to what Miranda had posted. And Miranda didn't get defensive. Miranda didn't do anything. She simply replied and just was like, thank you for adding your voice to this. You know, I'm learning so much more. And that's a prime example of how we need to engage in these discussions is, you know, open mind, open ears, open heart. We just need to be open. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, especially to anyone who's listening to this and listens through all the way, or even if you just stop at this point, like, please send us your thoughts and feelings to anything we say, or just in general, if you want to share, like that's how we're going to all be better and do better is by learning from each other and listening to each other and having those kind of dialogues. And we, you know, that's kind of the reason, one of the reasons why we want to do this episode is to open up that forum. I mean, as it relates to the show, because we are going to talk about the world of PD and what, you know, all that stuff in a second but yeah I think that's why we wanted to do this episode too because that is the main way to do it is like not call people out and not be like you're wrong blah 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 blah, but be like hey maybe you didn't think of this way it from this way but let me add something to this or you know that's how that's the respectful way to go about it yeah and if there's something we're missing absolutely please please tell us you know we're all working to educate ourselves uh and yeah the, the work never stops so please, please. Um, so the, the the cast of Med, the cast of Fire, they've been getting involved. PD is where things get a little muddy. And I mean, we we can't just gloss it over and just say like, whatever, it's no big deal. Because it is a big deal. Yeah. What's happening in our country and on our streets right now is a it's 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 an incredibly big deal. Mm-hmm. So there was relative silence from the PD camp for the first couple weeks. It wasn't weeks. I think it was like we- a week, maybe a week. like five or six days. It was definitely not oh, more than that. Okay. So. The- but yes, it was relative. It was like silent, like dead silent. Yeah. Now, Marina, Tracy, Lisseth, Jesse, and LaRoyce all have shared information all have posted, you know, screenshots of resources. They've all posted ways to get involved since. Um, but nobody in the PD camp has come out and made it like an outright statement. But for that matter, nobody from My Med and Fire has either. They've all just been sharing information. Yeah, I mean, some people have done a little bit more than just like reposting to stories. Like some people have gone live or, you know, like, actually like made a video story at least like hearing their voice like you know like done a little bit more than just like hitting the repost button um but yeah nobody nobody itself has actually made like a statement statement right but also going off of that too none of the shows individually made a statement either nbc made a statement on behalf of you know all nbc shows but like PD didn't come out with a statement, Fire didn't come out with a statement, and Med didn't come out with a statement. No. Which I kind of, I mean, I don't know if I expected it, but I thought that was definitely interesting. I I think they need to. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, 
Dick Wolf has done some stuff. I mean, yeah, he's not actually come out with, like, a statement himself, but obviously, like, and we can talk about this a little bit, he fired former PD writer Craig Gore, who was now going to be the showrunner on what show? Uh, Chris Maloney's SVU. New show. New yeah, show yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And because of some posts he made on Facebook, and, like, Dick Wolf was very adamant to be like, heck no, like, if we don't want this attached to us, like, that's not right, you know, you're fired. Um, And so I think that says a lot, too, that that was coming from Dick Wolf. But, like, again, there was no, like, official statement on Black Lives Matter. It was, like, we fired Craig Gore or whatever. I don't know what it said, but, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so Brian and I were both really looking forward to the One Chicago panel that was scheduled to happen last weekend at ATX Festival. Um, And we woke up on Friday morning to see that it was no longer on the schedule. So I I will say, though, along with a lot of other programming. Oh, yeah. I I understand a lot of programming got canned in the wake of everything that was happening in the country and understandably so but yes the one chicago panel notably got cut from the schedule yeah yeah um so i i would like to think that the one chicago shows are probably all in a holding pattern right now wondering like where the hell do we go from here yeah and again too like i think they were already all kind of in a holding pattern being like, where do we go from here when we're just dealing with the pandemic of it all? And like, when are they going to go back to shooting? And like NBC is still the only network, although ABC hasn't either, but NBC and ABC are the only networks who haven't really said like, Hey, this is what we're going to do in the fall. You know, like CW, we know what we're doing in the fall. They're pushing everything back to spring. Fox is pretty much pushing everything back to spring. CBS is not, although I don't know how that's going to happen, but CBS is not. Um, but we don't know what NBC's gonna do. Right. And I keep waiting, like, they keep randomly announcing these, like, renewals, and I'm like, okay, but give me your schedule, or, like, what your intentions are, at least. Right. Like, do you intend for them to come back in the fall? Do you intend to put, come, try to get them back in the spring? Like, either way, I don't care. Just, I would like to know what you plan on doing. Exactly, exactly. But it's been, it's been radio silent from every cop show really the only show i've heard anything from is brooklyn 99 yeah i'm trying to yeah i mean again too like you've seen posts from like actors on the shows on like cop shows like yeah. i've seen posts from like the actors on the rookie and i've seen posts from you know actors on this show or whatever but like yeah in terms of like the shows themselves they've relatively been silent and again, too, but I don't know how much of that comes from, like, the shows themselves or if the, it's the networks being like, no, we'll put out a statement as the network. Like, you guys don't need to post anything. Like, I don't know what, like, where the line is on that. Right. That's true. Not defending the shows because I don't, I don't think it's right that they haven't said anything. I think especially given the discussion now that's come out around cop shows specifically – um, but I don't know if that's the show's fault or if that's the networks being like, nah, that's not, we're not going there. Right. Right. So. Um, and 
things happen, things are developing real time. I mean, the minute we finish recording, there might be some new news that is broken that we don't know about. Uh, in the past couple of days, Paramount Network has canceled the show Cops. And After what, like 33 years, right? 33, yeah, as long as I've been alive, literally, yeah. Um, they've canceled Cops and um, is it A&E? A&E canceled Live PD. Yeah, and people want a lot of other shows to be canceled too. Like, I did you? I mean, I don't know if you read this specific article, but like the New York Times article that was saying that protesters are calling for Paw Patrol to be canceled, and you know, all of those things type shows. I'm like, I don't know if I don't. I, I don't know if I would personally go that far. I get what it. I get. I get the point. Personally, I don't think I would go that far. Mm-hmm. I agree with cops and live PD being canceled. Paw Patrol. It's a little different of an issue for me personally. I mean, I can't say I've ever seen an episode of Paw Patrol because I'm not a child and my niece lives like 2,000 miles away. But yeah, I that that might that might go a little too far with Paw Patrol. But Cops and Life PD, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, have yeah. you ever watched Life PD? I don't think I can ever say that, like, I've sat down and watched a full episode of Live PD. But have I, like, walked through my parents' house or something when, like, somebody else was flipping through the channels and it was on? Yes. Like, have I seen it for, like, bits and pieces? Yes. But have I sat down and been like, I'm going to watch Live PD tonight? No. Yeah, that was I, – I, I've, I've seen it before. Um, my best friend and I have had it on before for background noise and then just, like, happened to pay attention. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's – that's another instance where I, I've been learning. And in the past couple of weeks, I definitely have recalled seeing things on Live PD where I'm like, at the time, I paid it no mind, but it was actually very problematic. Yeah. And I think that's honestly where, and we can talk about this too when we get into like our Chicago PD discussion a little bit more. But I think that's where I personally feel like I need to do a little bit more work because people point out things. And like, yes, have I always known that PD was violent? Of course, like, I see Voight, you know, slamming people's heads into the cage, and I'm like, ooh, that's not, I know that that's not inherently good, but the way that I'm able to just, like, not really think about it, or, like, watch it without really connecting and being like, that's not, I should maybe turn this off, because, like, that's problematic, that's where I personally realize that I need to do the work, because I can just, like, gloss over that no issue, I mean, not without issue, of course, because we've talked about it many times on the podcast, how it is an issue, but, like, the fact that I still watch it and not think, have that thought in my mind of, like, oh, should I actually turn this off because it's so problematic? That's where I personally, like, I should probably do my work. And it's the same thing with live PD, too. Like you said, like, you watched it and you're like, that's not good. But did you go to turn it off either and, like, or think about turning it off? No. And that's where I have personally my issues. And I, I recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, and with PD, I mean, I feel like that's what I've done for the past seven seasons has been like, Voight probably shouldn't have done that, but whatever. Right, like we recognize it and we talk about it. I mean, how many times on this podcast that we've been doing now for almost three years have we had that conversation? Many, many, many times. Like, it's not that we don't recognize that it's bad. It's that we're still going to watch it because we still like the show. And we're like, it, you know, it's not enough for us to turn off the show. Right. And I don't know what that says about us. And I don't know what that says about the show. But like, 
that's problematic. I think that's also where the the talk around white privilege comes in. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. from everything we've seen and read in the past couple of weeks, again, the way white privilege has been defined is that it's not it's not to say that your life has not been hard. It's saying that your skin color has not been one of the things making your life harder. Yeah. And so and again, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know as a white woman, you know, I have had good interactions with police officers. I, you know, I've never I've never been in a situation where I have had to fear for my safety because of the presence of police. And that is a function of white privilege right there. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of that is why I can watch PD and I can see Hank, you know, throw somebody in the cage or Al take what, like the jumper cables to the the cage like he did in like one of the early seasons. And I, I I cannot flinch is because I have, I have privilege, you know, in front of me. Yeah. Privilege that I was not able to see past in the past that I'm I'm not proud of that, you know, there have been a lot yeah. of instances where I haven't been able to see past my own privilege. Yeah. And I think, too, I think it's just so easy to lump all cop shows together. But, like, PD, I mean, and granted, I don't watch all of them. We watch a lot of them, but we don't, I don't watch a lot of them. And I think if we're really talking about, like, cop-specific shows, the only ones I watch now are PD and um, The Rookie. Mm -hmm. But, like, PD by far, too, and I think this is kind of why we have to have this conversation, is, like, PD is by far the most violent of them. And, like, the one where you could be, like, it doesn't do the best job of, like, the police brutality side of it. Like, yeah, sure, like, maybe, you know, other shows will have a moment where, like, a cop punches somebody or whatever, but it's not the whole entire show. Like PD's entire premise is based around police brutality. Bingo. And like the cops getting away with things that they probably shouldn't get away with. Like that is the whole point. Like Voight was set out, you know, he had that deal with IA in season one to be like a dirty cop and like, you know, be on the street. And like, even though he wasn't really dirty, but he was dirty and you know, that whole thing. But like, that is the point. Like, the rookie is not, like, yeah, it may have a moment here and there where you're like, ooh, cop probably shouldn't have done that. But, like, it is not literally the premise of the show. And I think that's why even having this conversation since the beginning and, like, in our text messages and stuff about, like, how is PD going to handle it moving forward? Because, like, the show can't be the same that it was in se- the first seven seasons. It just can't. Absolutely and if it not. is, then, like, we have an issue and you know, I don't know if I'll stop watching, but like, it cannot be the same show. They have to at least try to make some strides towards telling different stories. And I think we can get in that conversation now, but like, it just cannot be the same. So let me, let me do this. Let me, let me read off. I I found a definition for police brutality on, I think Britannica.com. Lawyers do these things. Okay. We like to like, we, we find like the exact definition then we go off of that. And so let me read off this, definition of police brutality and based off of this tell me if you think chicago pd glorifies it so definition of police brutality it says the unwarranted or excessive and often illegal use of force against civilians by u.s police officers forms of police brutality have ranged from assault and battery to mayhem torture and murder 
Some broader definitions of police brutality also encompass harassment, intimidation, and verbal abuse, among other forms of mistreatment. Given that definition, does Chicago PD glorify police brutality? I mean, yeah. Like, they've literally done every single one of those things. Yeah. Like, every single one of them. Yeah. Like, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, it may not be, like, we may have moved away from the cage a little bit and, like, physically shoving people's heads against things and whatever, but they still do all of this. They still, you know, harass people. They still, like, kind of false arrest people. They intimidate people. They definitely, like, yell at people and verbally abuse them. Like, they do all of these things. All of it. In every episode, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to really try hard. To, it, like, maybe not in a crossover, but, like, otherwise probably pretty much in every single episode have they done one of these things, at least. From the pilot, even. Um, yeah. You remember a couple of yeah. weeks ago, I was, I was just kind of thinking about it, and, I mean, this part of the chorus with us is, like, one of us will just have a random one Chicago moment and text the other out of the blue. Um, and, yeah, I, I had asked you, I said, you know, what about that moment in the pilot when Jay beats up the guy for catcalling Aaron? Yeah. Bingo. Right there in the pilot. Right. And I mean, like, that's not, I mean, that's a Jay moment. That's not even, like, whatever Voight did in the pilot, which I'm sure was, like, tenfold. But, yeah. Yeah. Technically, that is not, you know, not okay. Um, I, yeah, yeah, no, that's not okay. And, I mean... <sighs> You've got Antonio, who pushed the guy out of the window. Um, I mean, and that's, like, recently. Yeah, there, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Even, even when Al died and Burgess slapped the woman who was, like, um, shit-talking them, that could even be considered police brutality. Yeah, I mean, remember when Aaron stuck a gun in someone's mouth? That's the only time in PD history that we've ever seen repercussions. Yeah. But even then, like, Aaron still could have come back. I mean, I guess maybe not because, you know, Sophia wasn't going to come back. But, like, theoretically, they probably would have let Aaron back and found a way around it if Sophia didn't want to leave. We came to a very disturbing, unsettling conclusion earlier about Hank, um, I don't know if you remember this part of the conversation, but I, I, I flat out asked you, I said, I mean, do you think Hank would put his neck on a, a perp's or his knee on a perp's neck? And both of us did not even hesitate. And we were like, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I'd have to go back and obviously rewatch every episode. Wouldn't have surprised me if he's already done something like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously not enough to kill a guy. Um, but like, has he put a, his, you know, foot or knee on someone's neck, probably. He probably has already done something like that. Yeah. And the fact that we can say that without hesitation and full confidence, like, oh, yeah, Hank would absolutely do that, means that we've got a problem on our hands. Yeah, for sure. A big problem. And this isn't us, like, turning our back on PD. This is us saying, we love this show. We care about this show. We care about the characters. We care about the cast members. We want to see a change, a big change. Yeah. And I mean, I think I, you know, we were just having this conversation before we started recording about 
the season finale, or, you know, the season, fi- what was the season finale? Yeah. Um, episode 20, and how I just rewatched that while I was making dinner earlier. And obviously my feelings about that episode have, like, slightly changed a little bit now. But I think they are definitely partially on a point like on the right pathway to doing it with that story like depending on where they choose to go from here with that story I think they can get there but they also need to the flip side of that they also really need to focus on or like create a new story that leads to I would like it to be Voight just because Voight everyone else has learned from Voight and like Voight for lack of a better phrase, is the mastermind behind the way intelligence operates and why intelligence operates like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like it to personally be Voight. But, like, we've got to see someone undergo some reper- repercussions. Like, yeah. we just have got to. So I think there's, like, a couple layers to, like, what PD needs to do moving forward. I think the Atwater stuff is great, although you and I have also had this conversation about intelligence really is lacking some diversity and like yes they have Rojas and yes they have Atwater but literally every single time they've tried to tell a story regarding racial relations they've always had to give it to Atwater which is fine because LaRoyce kills it and knocks it out of the park and will continue to do so and it's only gotten better in my opinion with his acting but like it cannot always fall on Atwater because then you don't get any difference of opinions on how people look at it and you know like I just they need to bring uh, we were kind of saying like they need to bring another black cop into intelligence like they they just need to so that we can tell different stories relating to the black cop experience and like the black man or like I mean a black woman would be fantastic because I'm sure obviously both as black cops like they experience similar things but then you know one's a black male and one's a black woman like I'm sure there are very different experiences but we don't know that because we don't get to see it yeah like Pete like intelligence is over over cannot speak overwhelmingly white yeah it just is and so I think that's a big part of it too um you know so I don't know I think there's a couple different layers but I Personally, I would, I mean, I, somebody needs to do something so that they can start, like, actually seeing, like, legit repercussions to, like, the way intelligence, I just knocked over my mic, Um, the way intelligence acts and handles their cases, like, somebody, something's gonna happen, something's gotta happen, and somebody's actually gotta get, like, legit punished for shit. Yeah, legit punished, and the, and, like, not get killed either. Because that's kind of what happened with Al a little bit was like Al was going to like go for, you know, take the fall for Hank and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. But then he got killed in prison. So it didn't really matter. Yeah. Somebody got punished, but then they got punished more because they got killed. And then like that part, the punishment part actually kind of went to the wayside. Yeah. Intelligence has to stop skirting justice. As in, when they do something wrong, when they do something that we've considered unorthodox, which is really something, you know, violent and reprehensible that we should not be condoning at all, they need to face repercussions. We have to see the fallout. And what we keep coming back to, which kills me to say, is we have to come back to the Angela West situation with Jay. And I 
I want to have a conversation with a writer about this so badly because I want to know why did you choose this course for Jay? Why did you why did you write this for him? Yeah. I also think too something they really need to push. Like they I think there's a couple different aspects like just given the world that we're in right now, they need to also have on the new season whenever that happens. I think we need to see intelligence reflect on this and like be like I mean, because you see it here and there, right? Like, you see it when someone disagrees with, like, Voight. Like, mainly Jay, when Jay's like, I don't really know about this or whatever. But, like, we really need this intelligence to, like, reflect on this moment and be like, we probably shouldn't have done all those things that we just did for the past seven years of our lives. Yeah. Or, like, you know, something, whatever. Like, we need to see them have that conversation. Um, And I think, too, they need to lean in more to all of the protest stuff. Like, I mean, cause you've seen episodes like random episodes here and there that usually have to do with like a case, but like, I think they need to lean into that side more of it too. And like, I want to see them having the conversations about like defunding the police and that whole movement. And like, I just, I think it's important and I wish, and I don't know if PD ever will because they're such a procedural and Dick Wolf is such a procedural guy. But I wish they would focus a little bit less on the cases and, like, maybe even, like, do smaller cases that aren't as complicated so that we can have conversations, the other kinds of conversations that need to be had on the show. Because otherwise we're never going to get them. If we get these, like, comp- these complicated cases, five minutes to solve, then you're left with, what, like, eight minutes to do everything else? Like, no. Right. Because that's why we don't get anywhere with this show is because, like, especially now the cases like the show is so case heavy which is great sometimes but it also doesn't allow for everything else Mm -hmm. yeah i mean intelligence really needs to take a good long hard introspective look at themselves and i i think that'll be easier for some members of intelligence than others Mm -hmm. Um, and by others i mainly mean hank um Hank's Hank's whole character needs like just the most drastic makeover because there's literally nothing about Hank the Hank that we know now that is okay in this climate I mean the 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 version of Hank we see that you know helps people get out of bad situations like there was that episode when he helped the CIA escape to Canada okay Uh, you know that version of Hank is fine but everything else about him has got to change. I mean, you cannot throw a suspect's head against a burner and turn it on and just say, oh, that's just Hank being Hank. No. Yeah. And I think, too, and something I'd kind of be interested in seeing, I don't know if you feel this like this, because we've never really, we haven't talked about this yet, I kind of think there almost needs to be this divide in intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the people who are still, maybe not outrightly, like, all the violent stuff, but who still believe in Hank's methods. Because there are going to be that people, right? Like, I think Ruzik, although Ruzik's a fascinating example just because of, we've really gotten those conversations with Ruzik and Atwater. But I think Ruzik still would be that person. He's so gung-ho on, like, not necessarily following Hank's, footsteps but like 
you know, being like pro the white method. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he would bend so easily. Whereas I think there's other people in intelligence who would probably be like, because we've already seen them do this a couple times, mainly Jay, being like, whoa, like, I don't know if I can work in this unit anymore. Yeah. And I think there's gonna I think there's gonna be some kind of internal divide in intelligence just because like having these conversations. And I think that would be really interesting television, personally. Yeah, I just it has to happen for them to just pretend like everything is fine and carry on like normal would be embarrassing. It would be horrible. It would be so tone deaf. Yeah, especially because like in one off moments, PD's done a really good job. Yeah. Like, there have been one-off moments and, like, things, like, we've talked about, too, like, and we've talked about this with Patty and LaRoyce, like, those moments have been really great. And, like, you know, I think back on, like, even the episode that they just did, like, the Doyle stuff, I thought, for the most part, was really good. I there We were talking before we started recording, I don't know if I personally now think Voight's reaction was the greatest to the way Atwater wanted to handle it, but, like, overall, I think they did a really good job with those episodes, and, like, the Anthem episode. Like, I think they've done a really good job in, like, one-off moments, but, like, it's hard to now, now that we're really all doing this reflecting, it's hard to, for that not to be overshadowed by everything else. Yeah, and one of our listeners actually tweeted, tweeted us, kind of inadvertently, um, the link to our episode that we did about the episode Anthem, episode 42 it's way back in like the beginning of 2018 which just feels like another lifetime ago um but a lot of that we spent a good part of that episode just being like okay well i see where brianna's coming from i see where jay's coming from this is interesting that's interesting but um there was just a lot we didn't know it yeah yeah um but yeah i mean i just the, the show needs a big overhaul a big overhaul. Do you think, okay, obviously we don't know a ton because they're, you know, very tight lips, but after, in all the showrunner interviews that came after the finale, Rick Odd kind of teased that, like, and they were still going to go with what they were going to do for the end of the season, just at the beginning of next season, and, like, somebody was probably going to die, you know, in what now would be, like, episode three or four of the new season. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think, well, first of all, A, do you think that's wise, like, to go, I mean, obviously we don't know exactly what they had planned, so it's kind of hard, but, like, do you think they should continue with that, or should they just scrap it all and, like, maybe take elements of it, but, like, have to do with it in this, like, new world, essentially, that we're in, both, like, post-pandemic and post-everything that's happened since George Floyd, but also, too, like, there was kind of rumblings and inferences made from those things that, like, they were probably going to kill Jordan. So, like, and we had, had that conversation, like, do you think that's wise for them to, if that, if that was the route they were going to go? And I think it was, just given where we ended the season with Kevin and that Rick Eyed saying that was still going to be a big part of the rest of the season. Um, like, do you think they should still go there? I think they should scrap it and start fresh. Like completely fresh? Completely fresh. It is a pivotal time in our nation's history. 
how many more times are we going to have to say that in our lifetime, right? But it is a very pivotal time in our nation's history. And I think the stories that are told need to reflect that. Yeah, I think, obviously, we don't know exactly what they had planned, right? So it's hard to be like, yes, they should scrap everything exactly. Mm -hmm. I think depending on what they had planned, and if it was Jordan that they were planning to kill off, I think there is still a version of that that could reflect what is happening in our country and still tie into that and, like, still probably bring up a lot of things. Obviously, like, killing black children, you know, killing black men. Like, I think there is a version of that story that could still be done. But, like, yeah, I think for the most part, I would like to see them focus more on this other stuff. But they also, at the same time, too, like, that moment was still so powerful. Like, the way that the season ended was still so powerful. And I would like to see some sort of continuance on that. Because that's the other problem that PD really needs to work on, too. Is PD has a lack of continuing problem more than any of the other shows. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll bring up something and then they will never address it again. Or if they do address it again, it's like... 10 bajillion seasons later which is why I'm very still surprised they like continue the Doyle thing that happened literally a season prior Mm -hmm. Um, I mean I was glad they made that callback but like they never really make callbacks like that so I was kind of surprised um and so for some just the sake of the show I would like to see them like continue things that they do and not just give up on the story completely but also like the world has changed and like so I would understand if they gave up on that story completely um but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't feel like sticking with the Jordan storyline. If that is the, if that is what they intended, again, this is just what right. we inferred that when Rick said somebody was right. going to be murdered, we were like, Jordan's probably the most likely. Right. Exactly. I feel like to do that now would be exploitative and would simply be, it would be like the TV equivalent of clickbait. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, is there a car driving by? What's happening right now? Oh, yeah. Sorry. You can hear like the planes outside. Oh, yeah. Because I live so close to Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bryna's next door neighbor is Reagan. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think they need to start fresh. Um, I think they've got a big responsibility ahead of them. And, and again, I just want to reiterate, this is in no way us saying, this is not us pointing a finger at the writer's room saying, you'd better get this perfect. This is us saying, okay, this is the challenge that lies ahead. And it's a really tough conversation this these are tough topics that we need to tackle and you know we fully recognize that they are going to do their best and that's all any of us can do right now is you know we can listen we can educate ourselves we can do the work and we we just we have to do our best to be active allies in this situation can i bring up a slightly Slightly off topic, but like also semi-related question that I was thinking about today as I was re-watching that season finale. What's up? And maybe it's because it's also I've just been watching a ton of, well, 
like before this, we were both binging the rookie kind of in the last like monthish. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't intelligence and maybe just because they're a special unit, but like when they like wear the vest and stuff, like why don't they wear body cams? That's because a I feel really like that good question. Was, I mean, obviously, that was like Doyle and Atwater off the clock. So, like, they would not have been wearing body cams in that specific moment, right? Because Doyle was Doyle and he decided to profile somebody, like, when they were off the clock. But, like, I was thinking about it and, like, the body cams are such a big part of the rookie. And I get that, obviously, they're all beat you know, beat cops and whatever. So it's a very different dynamic. But I was like, why don't they wear body cams? That's a really good question. I, maybe it's... And it may be just, and I think it probably too depends. I don't know this for sure, but like, I think it probably depends on like, you know, every city is different. Every state's different. Like, I would like to think they all require them, but I doubt they do. I, uh, I bet that's what it is. Right. But so, and so that was my like first gut instinct was that, oh, Chicago doesn't, require them and if they do then like maybe wouldn't require like special units too Mm -hmm. but like I was like they probably should and I feel like that should be like a conversation that's had in the show and we come back whether they decide to wear them or not I don't you know it doesn't matter but like I feel like that should be addressed because I feel like that's a big part of today's policing too is like cops wearing body cam and getting the body cam footage and blah 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 um so I was just something I was thinking about when I was thinking about because I was like, man, like, a it's a big part of the rookie because we and we I literally told you this too when we were watching the rookie. I was like, I really love that you like get like they'll go to the camera footage from the body cams, mm-hmm. and I think that's just such a cool element of the rookie. Um, but I, like, it just got me thinking when I was watching this episode. I was like, well, this could have been solved really fast if everyone was just wearing a body cam. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, a lot of intelligence things too, and I'm like. That's part of, I think, also, too, why I was ta- thinking about this was because of the whole, like, repercussions issue. Like, a lot of intelligent stuff, it's, you know, they can get away with it because they don't have anybody watching them. Like, they don't have footage being shown. Big time. Big and, time. like, you know, if what if they were wearing body cams? At least when they were going on raids, like, maybe not every day time when they're going to, like, you know, interrogate a suspect or, like, you know, go interrogate a witness. But, like... At least when they're going to do, like, the raid part of it. Like, why aren't they wearing body cams? It's, it's yeah, it, that's a perfect question. I wonder if that's one of the um, criteria that 8 Can't Wait pushes for. Um, I honestly I just can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't remember either. I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, yeah, I just, you know, we're, we're learning in real time every day we're educating ourselves we're doing the work so uh yeah i mean um no the eight can't wait is ban chokeholds and strangleholds require de-escalation require warning before shooting requires exhaust all requires exhaust all alternatives before shooting duty to intervene Ban shooting at moving vehicles, which PD definitely would need to work on then. Mm-hmm. Um, require use of force continuum and require comprehensive reporting. So, I mean, maybe in that one. No, it doesn't even say that it's not about body cams. I mean, the uh, duty to intervene. I can think of problems for like four episodes just off the top of my head if they wanted to right. tackle that. I wonder. Now I'm going to look up Chicago. Hold on. Because I haven't done this yet. 
like, what is Chicago? So Chicago checks everything off the boxes on, on, according to Can't Wait, Chicago police checks off every box except for a band shooting at moving vehicles, which again, hello, we know from PD because they do that a lot, um, and requires comprehensive reporting. Those are the only two boxes PD, Chicago PD is not check off. Okay. Okay. So. So, you know, and these are all just ideas and discussion points that, you know, we wanted to talk about in terms, if, if you're asking the question, okay, well, what, what should, what should Chicago PD do? What's the right way to do it? There is no right way. Nope. You know, again, all we can do is keep listening, keep educating ourselves, keep doing the work. Yeah. So any other things we want to discuss? Oh, man. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, pressing thing. I'm sure I will think of, like, as soon as we finish, I'll be like, dang, we should have talked about that. And we can obviously keep having these conversations, too. Oh, yeah. Um, as, you know, more information comes out and, like, maybe also, too, once we have an idea of, like, when the show comes back and, like, how many episodes they'll get. Because I have to imagine, too, right, any show that comes back in the spring is not getting a full 22, right? Right. Like, they're not going to go, like, yeah, we're going to give you 22 weeks straight of, like, you getting your content. So, like, how would that affect the storytelling? And, like, maybe they would tell, like, a longer a story that they couldn't necessarily tell or wouldn't necessarily tell in 22, but, like, would tell it if they got 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that would affect the storytelling and the way they approach some of these things. I don't know. But once all that stuff starts coming out, like, I think, you know these conversations will still play into those conversations too. So. Yeah. So um, we'll compile a list of, you know, the places to donate the petitions to sign the articles that we've been reading. um, And we'll post that on Twitter so you guys can see, but uh, yeah, I mean, you guys know where to find us. Um, You know, it, it feels wrong to, it feels wrong to kind of relay all the places where you can find us. Um, when, I feel like our voices are not the ones that need to be heard right now. Yeah. So, yeah, just um, Minnesota Freedom Fund, you know, Reclaim the Block, all the different places you can donate, all the petitions you can sign, get involved. We'll post links everywhere. Um, we don't know about the schedule going forward, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know as we do. So um, everybody stay safe. Um, socially distance. The pandemic is still happening. It, it's, it's easy to forget. But, um, yeah, just ears open, listen, do the work, ask the questions, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.